Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. What's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young boy growing up in Detroit? In Detroit, there's a brand called Sanders. And my mom loved Sanders Cakes. They, had, they made this hot fudge. And um, seeing how that brand impacted my mom uh, made an impact on me. I mean, I was five, six years old where I would see this brand would bring a smile to my mom when we would make a hot fudge sundae in the kitchen. It was something we would find great joy in. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a small little moment, but, you know, it's one of those moments that, you know, brands die for. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO podcast is Joel Yashinsky, the SVP and chief marketing officer of Applebee's, which is part of Dine Brands, one of the largest full-service restaurant companies in the world. Applebee's opened its first restaurant in 1980 and now has more than 1,500 franchise locations globally. Their slogan says it all, eating good in the neighborhood, and they are doing that very well. Top line sales are growing in a really tough competitive category. My guest Joel is going into his sixth year as Applebee's CMO, following 18 years in various roles at McDonald's. Joel graduated from the Bowling Green State University in Ohio and then worked for Georgia Pacific and Southwest Airlines before joining McDonald's. This is my conversation with a CMO who loves eating good and also doing good. Here's Joel. Joel, welcome to the CMO Podcast. You are the CMO of a brand that hosts a lot of first dates. So I'd like, I'd like to know right here, right now, is your first date at Applebee's? Uh, <laughs> why you start off with this question, Jim, I have to, because I I've always believe in honesty is the best policy and being authentic and real and true. My first date with my wife was at a spot on competitor of ours 27, eight years ago. And can you say which competitor? I don't want to give them any not. credit whatsoever, yeah. but we, it was a casual dining restaurant chain yeah, and, sure. and, and we are, I'm really proud, Jim, of what Applebee's does to provide that type of environment each and every day because we do host a lot of first dates and a lot of second dates and anniversary yeah. celebrations yeah. at Applebee's. And that there is something about casual dining that has sustained over our 40 years where people are able to 
just relax and be themselves. It's a great location for a first date because it's comfortable. You have, you know, you have the service and the experience there without any pretension. And it's, it's a great way to get to know somebody. Um, it kills me that my first date with my wife was actually <laughs> at a competitor and I vow to never speak their name because I love Applebee's and I wish I could give them full credit, but it was a, it was a, it was a spot on competitor of ours. I remember my first date with my wife very well. It was not at Applebee's, but I, my first date in my life, the first time I actually got in a car and picked a girl up was actually at Pizza Hut. Oh, wow. And I took her to Pizza Hut, got a pitcher of Coke yes. and, and a pizza. And that was kind of a fancy date, you know, mm -hmm. when, where I grew up. So, so absolutely, it's a great equity. So anyway, we, we had the Hallmark Channel CMO, Laura Richardson, on the show a few weeks ago, just before Christmas. And I just thought, I have an idea for you. I think we need to have a Hallmark movie set at an Applebee's. I love it. Would you be up for that? A hundred percent, because that's a natural that's a natural combination of two brands that really speak to the same type of guest or or customer. And um, that's a great idea, especially your, new ca your, your campaign, you know, the regulars with the Cheers soundtrack. Yes. I mean, wow, it's it's a little bit of a mini Hallmark movie in an ad. That's what the goal was, right, is to it, you see a, a, a couple of different examples of couples one with a family, uh, one with coworkers that are out. And there's a really great moment at the end where the, you know, these were real guests, real, real guests in yeah, our I restaurants that we found. And, and it was really authentic and real. And, and, and I think you could actually absolutely set a, set up a, a Hallmark movie at a, at an Applebee's restaurant. And it would be authentic and real because that's what's in our restaurants every day. Well, I'm going to connect you with Laura after the show. Love it. And you, and at the, at the least you'll enjoy each other, right? You're both great absolutely. people. You're great CMO. So I'll connect you when the show's over. That would be great. I love it. So you are celebrating your five-year anniversary at Applebee's as CMO. And that is about double most CMO tenures, as, as you know. I'd like to know the biggest reason that you have clicked with this brand and this brand has clicked with you. I mean, your growth numbers are great. You're, you know, the way you're coming across, I think to everyone is, is so on brand. Your, your innovation on the product is, is beautiful. So, so reflect a little bit about why this is working so well for you and for them. It's been a great five years, Jim. I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity to join Applebee's and as I really learned the brand and understood the brand in its essence, it has a place in America. It really does. Uh, to the point we talked about at the beginning in terms of dates, in terms of uh, teams coming in after a game and celebrating, which is stories that people share from when they were in high school 20 years ago. There's this authenticity to the brand that I just love. And, and that to me is, is really so important in terms of the brands that I have worked for is that I really see that connection and that understanding of why we exist. And, and, and listen, we're not Disney, we're not Apple, but what we do provide is a chance for people to enjoy their day and to, mm -hmm. to raise up their day with all of the challenges that people are facing. Um, and they're really serious challenges, whether it's economic, whether it's COVID, um, our goal at Applebee's, working with our operations team and our franchise partners, is the same it's been since 1980 when we started, and that's to take people's day up a point or two. To me, we understand what our goal and objective is as a brand, and we welcome that. And 
We don't try to be somebody who we're not. And we speak to middle America. And I think we speak in a way that is real and authentic to them. And, um, and it's a, it's a, just been a pleasure to work on this brand. And, and, and I look forward to continuing this for a long time. I know you're going through a CEO change, right? But the CEO you worked with, John Siwanski, for the last five years has a marketing background. I think he was even CMO at Applebee's years and years ago. How has that worked? Strong marketing background for a CEO, which I love. I don't think we have enough of that. And so was, is that one reason this has clicked so well that you two were sort of of common mind about where you want to take the brand and business? Uh, absolutely. Uh, John was CMO back in the early 2000s. And came back to the brand about seven, eight months before I joined and he, he brought me on board. And he has as deep an understanding of the brand as just about anybody I could think of in terms of what we stand for and who we are and what we should strive to be. And that passion and understanding is contagious. And I certainly caught it as the entire Applebee's team and our franchise partners all working together in, in one direction on, uh, on that vision and understanding. And so John's perspective as the former CMO was incredibly important for me to help bring me on board very, very quickly to help succeed because we were in turnaround mode. Yep. When he came back in 2017, the brand was in, in significant um, uh, challenge mode and, the, and, and was suffering, as was casual dining. Um, but John had a vision and everyone rallied around that vision and we were able to, you know, make some significant impacts to change, uh, the, the culture internally, uh, but also make sure we were, uh, addressing the, the experience for our guests in our restaurants and focused again on who we are as a brand. He was very honest as well in terms of when we went through the hiring process and he said, Joel, this, this isn't for the faint of heart. It's going to take a lot of grit and determination and hard work. And, and, and he was being very true and authentic to the challenge that was there. And he had me meet with some of our franchise partners before finalizing the decision. And it's worked out uh, tremendously. We've, we really started to turn the business around. COVID hit. That created, obviously, some, some additional new challenges. But in 2021 and through third quarter of 2022, our results have been really outstanding thanks to the hard work that everybody puts into the brand. And I, I certainly believe we're going to keep that momentum going forward because we've built that into the culture over the last five years. I went through a bunch of CEO changes in my career. You're going through one now. Many of our listeners also have that experience. What will be your strategy to bring your new CEO up to date and on board and aligned with your priorities at the same time you're listening and getting his input. I know he's an insider, so he understands the brand and the business very well, but still he's in a new role coming in and he's coming in to a brand that has great momentum. It's funny. It was a question I was going to ask you, Jim, in terms of having this experience. I haven't really worked with a, with a brand president or CEO change like this uh, as directly, but I think as I've been thinking about that, you know, my initial take is to to really bring him in with open arms and just, again, lay out everything yeah. in terms of what's working. What are some of our challenges? I've talked with him yesterday and he knows that he doesn't want to upset the apple cart, that things are working. He wants us to continue to do great marketing. It's really a matter of, of helping him get informed about the brands, mm -hmm. how the restaurant operations work in, in our business in the U.S., and just get him fully involved and, and enveloped. But again, I, I really do welcome any thoughts you might have in this area. I think you have about right, Joel. I mean, my experience has been showcase your team. And, and before he gets too busy, which he probably already is, 
to build in a little time for storytelling and reflection to take him through the journey you and your team have been on. So he understands that. He sees the kind of people that are on your team, gives them a chance to tell their stories and just share openly a couple of the tough things you're wrestling with. Right. And and so he knows he knows what your priorities are. He knows what your challenges are and and he knows where he can probably best help you. If you're if you're open and transparent and authentic about that, which I know you'll be, but it's a great time. I always found it a great time to a little bit reflect for our team and also for the CEO coming in. I appreciate that because I, I I love I, you know jotted that down and and showcasing the team is 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 absolutely a great opportunity for them to just feel the level of uh, acknowledgement in, in terms of how they've performed over the last five years to help get us to that success. So that's a that's a really great insight. Thank you. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Now, you talked about turnaround mode. The brand was in turnaround mode when you joined five years ago. And I, I read somewhere that you like to join teams that are in turnaround. So I'd like to start there. What is it about you, Joel, your personality that likes to be in a turnaround? Well, I like a challenge, but I think the turnaround mode is the challenge that is, is there that something is there that can happen to recreate magic that was there at one point. And, you know, I go back to 2010. I left uh, McDonald's in the U.S. and became CMO of McDonald's in Canada. Uh, it was a brand under a lot of challenges, stagnant for 10 years in terms of growth because Tim Hortons was just winning. Yeah. And we were able to create this business unit in Canada that stood on its own and turned its business around for uh, incredible success from a sales and guest count standpoint, market share standpoint, and, and franchisee profitability. Um, it was so rewarding to go through that experience. It was hard. Like it's it's one of the hardest things you can do because you have to you have to find and glean the insights and the opportunities that are there and you can't make a you don't have the room for any misjudgment in a turnaround. You really have to identify what's going to move the needle and what's going to connect with your guests and your consumer and your and your customer. And so it it requires you to also be very careful on where you're making investments and how how you use the data and analytics to say this is where we need to go. It, it really tests you as well as creates a team environment because you have to have everybody rowing in the same direction. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of challenges that are fun to be a part of because it can be so rewarding at the end. And, and so 
McDonald's Canada from 2010 to 2014, huge impact. Um, came back to the U.S. business. So the U.S. business in 2014 and 15 really was struggling. We identified in Canada, it was really about beverages and coffee and McCafe in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The business needed needed to identify that big, big idea that was going to move the needle, that was going to change the trajectory. And All Day Breakfast sat there as a five-star idea that our guests had been telling us for years. But the operational challenges that were there and, and you know, it was 1030, 11 o'clock, you know, breakfast is over, lunch starts. Yeah. And so when you identify that big idea or figure out a way to bring that big idea forward, which is took a lot of testing and collaboration with franchise partners, uh, all of a sudden we turned the U.S. business back around and all and in 2000, you know, late 2015, 2016. Um, we started to really gain traction again for the McDonald's brand. And, and you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see both McDonald's Canada and the McDonald's the U.S. Has, has not let off the pedal. And then the Applebee's opportunity came along. Big challenge there. But again, you could see the passion and the people that were invested and you had the belief that it could happen. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. You need great leadership and partners. Yeah. And it's not going to be done by just marketing. It's not going to be done by just operations. And it's not going to be done just by new uh, culinary or beverage innovation. It's all of those things have to click together. But when it does, it's magical. It is. And I, I find people in a turnaround, often their minds are more open, right? And, and I think as you look back in your career, those are the things you really mm-hmm. remember. Teams that came together and did something that they didn't know they could do. And I think that's what leadership's all about. So I'm, I'm right with you. Well, let's stay on the turnaround piece because you came to a brand where a turnaround, as you said, is not easy, right? It's a franchise model, 43-year-old brand, uh, equity, which had maybe gotten a little bit mm-hmm. dusty, uh, you know, lots and lots of restaurants at the time, probably whatever, 1,500 or so. And you had a pandemic that was kind of was in the middle of that. So I, I think... Others would benefit so much, Joel, from your learning on that. And I'd love to do it in sort of a creative way. So I'm going to ask you to write a book about the turnaround. If you were to write a book about the Applebee's experience you've just had with your team, kind of what would be some of the big chapters? I mean, what would be some of the tentpole things that happened that others could learn from? Great questions. And so from the key chapter standpoint, it starts with the people. It's putting the right team in place. And this is where I give John Cywinski all the credit in the world. He brought together a team that was aligned, that worked together shoulder to shoulder and identified the opportunities that needed to happen and then executed against those opportunities. And it was so critical to have my best partner. And I had great partners at McDonald's. Um, over my 18-year career there. But my closest partner is the chief operations officer, uh, Kevin Carroll, who joined about three or four months before I did. John hired him. And that thoughtful approach of bringing together people that would work together in a way that was more than just collaborative. It was in the dirt and in the mud of working through the challenges the business had in different disciplines was was critically important. So the right people in place is the first chapter to a turnaround. Um, the, to me, the, the second chapter is identifying that 
big idea that will drive relevance and business people into your place of business, whether it's a restaurant or some other uh, retail uh, at McDonald's in Canada, it was, you know, it was coffee all day breakfast. And for Applebee's, the spark or the, in finding that ignition piece in that chapter two was the, the Dollarita. One of our franchise partners actually uh, brought it forward in, in his marketplace in Texas. And uh, John and the team, because it actually launched about a month before I joined, brought Dollarita on board in October of 2017. And that was the spark that really brings relevance to the brand. And by the time we got to January and, and I started, we started to realize we need, probably needed it more than just one time. And we brought it forward for a number of months, uh, actually. Um, but it brought relevance to the brand. It, uh, it got a lot of attention from late night talk shows. And we welcomed it because it was also a business idea that worked. And what people didn't realize is that it was also driving sales of food in a way that was profitable for our franchise partners. Chapter three then is how do you go from that spark to bringing forward a consistent um, product line, menu innovation, beverage innovation that continues to keep people interested in your brand. So you can't just rely on a one hit wonder. The same was true you know, all day breakfast was a spark for McDonald's, but we also needed to bring forward new new product and menu innovation, new innovation to Happy Meals, new innovation to the experience. At Applebee's, it was new innovation towards our menu, whether it was our fresh never frozen burgers or, or new flavors to our boneless wings, new appetizers that people love at Applebee's. And so building upon that spark, you then have to make sure you're putting a pipeline together. So I think chapter three is your pipeline piece that continues to bring new news and innovation for your guests that is relevant, uh, that is fresh. And then chapter four to me is how you bring the overall experience to a, to a new level that makes people feel welcome, makes people feel excited and, and, and makes people enjoy their, um, their time, again, from a restaurant standpoint in your restaurants. Those are the ones that I think from a turnaround standpoint, you have to hit those four. And then you start to recognize what else you can do to, to continue to build that relationship with your guests in a way that's deeper and goes further. I'll buy it. <laughs> I want you to speak to two issues, Joel, that I think you've had really interesting experience in this, uh, in this last five years. And the first one is differentiation, something that so many of our brand builders struggle with. I know your brand wrestled with this years ago, and you're in a really, really competitive category, just one of the most in the world, right? There's so many choices for someone who wants to have an experience, you know, with their family, with their date, whatever it might be. So how do you, how do you think about how you come to mind in that? There are so many casual dining restaurants out there and, and we sit in an area of sort of that American grill and bar, right? It's critically important that we create an experience whether it's through our beverages, whether it's through our menu innovation, whether it's through our kids' business and how we bring families into, into Applebee's, we have to always be thinking about 
what is new and different while stretching a little bit. But we have to be very careful, too, in casual dining that we don't go too far. That was that was one of the challenges that the brand had in 2015 and 2016 when they went with a, what's known as hand-cut wood-fired grilled steaks. It was outside of that realm. Yeah, I remember. But what you have to do is push against the the norms so that you have that innovation taking place uh, and that you bring that experience because you know we have 1570 restaurants right now that you know we're we're trying to make sure we're bringing forward um a fresh experience in in all elements of the business um but also what's important in differentiation jim and that this is one of the things that i think we learned and 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 john was a big believer in this is you know we also need to be true to who we are and because while you want to push for some new ideas from a beverage or menu innovation standpoint or from a kid's experience standpoint, you also have to be careful you don't go too far from that because people do like that consistency. There is something about Applebee's being comfortable, that people can come as they are. And that's something we lean into. And uh, while we're always looking for opportunities for new ideas, it's also really important that we stay within who we are so that people know that. Applebee's is Applebee's. And to a certain extent, that can be a point of differentiation. Absolutely. No, one theme, obviously, I've interviewed some of the great brand leaders of the world in this show over the last three years. And one big theme is consistency with creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay consistent over time, you know, in terms of who you are and what your voice is and what feeling that you hope to elicit from people who experience your brand. But at the same time, keeping it fresh. Right. And I think managing that that tension, if you will, or that duality, I think is all about brand marketing. Because I think peop- people want consistency. When I go into an Apple store, uh, you know, I know I have something in my mind. And if it doesn't deliver that, I'll, I'll be disappointed and maybe I won't come back. And that's exactly right. And 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 that's what we we think about all the time is that duality and making sure that 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 there's a balance that's happening there. That reason for being has to be that people know what they're going to get each and every time, while also maybe a couple of surprises and delights along the way. Now you're going into your sixth year as CMO. The brand is in the zeitgeist. It's growing and it's a very different position. So now comes the hard part, right? And that's keeping it growing, keeping it evolving while staying mm-hmm. consistent. So I'd like you to talk a bit about that, Joel. What what are your strategies? How are you talking about this with your franchisees, with your team, with your external partners? Because, you know, that's you want this brand to keep keep growing. You never want to be in a turnaround again. None of us do. So, but I think I found in my experience it's harder to keep it growing than it is in the initial turnaround. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. This is uh, this is probably the one thing that does keep me up at night is where do we go from here? It's chapters five, six, and seven, if you will, in the conversation, yeah. right? The beauty of that is that we do see opportunities for betterment and continuous improvement. In one of those areas, uh, the kids and family business, we see some really some some still some low hanging fruit for us to be able to connect while we've used you know, beverages and dollaritas to speak to young adults, uh, younger adults, if you will. We've we've re-enhanced our work on late night business, which was always a big part of Applebee's as well. Obviously, we have the to-go and delivery business coming out of COVID that is that also uh, remains an important 
uh, element of our overall business. But we do see some areas that we're excited to be exploring right now or developing even further, working very closely with our business analytics and insights team to really glean what's next from an occasion standpoint can, can really be a, an opportunity for us. Late night was important to go back to last year, again, as we came out of COVID. Um, there are these other opportunities that we are looking forward to in, uh, in 2023 and 2024 working very closely with our new head of culinary um we see some some really great insights from uh from a food standpoint and a culinary standpoint that we're very excited about as well anything from your business analytics and insights group that surprised you those meetings are always so interesting right because you're th- looking for insights and trends and uh and and things that you might be able to bring to the market that are fresh and still on brand anything that surprised you in terms of macro trends What's been our biggest learning so far uh, over the last year is that a lot of the data and information we had prior to 2020 is no longer as relevant as we need it to be. And so we're really um, we're, we're really kind of going after new um, information to help uh, identify what those are, um, because and I work very closely with, with our head of, of business analytics and, and insights, uh, Jill Marchek, and she's, she's terrific. I worked with her 20 years ago at McDonald's, but um, she's bringing forward, you know, these insights and information about what is relevant today. And it's different than what it was in 2019 and, and somewhat significantly. And so, it's really a matter of taking that information and putting it to good use and making sure, you know, the, the validity is there because it has changed. And so we, we're having really good discussions and dialogue about it because some things that we held to be very uh, sacrosanct back in 2019, 2018 is being challenged. What's changed most in the five years about your job, Joel, since you've been there? How is your CMO role now different from what it was when you joined? Well, Jim, as you as you know, the the rapid change within the marketing realm uh, is is at a pace and a speed that is perhaps it, it just seems exponential in terms of the speed and rate of change. And so, you know, when I started, um, you know, there really was no TikTok, and it's become an you know it's become a much more relevant. Um, um, social tool for a marketer to use. And we've been using it relatively successfully, um, you know, and recognizing that there's also the challenges to, uh, to many of these uh, social platforms. Everything seems to have gone very well in these five years. Is there anything that hasn't gone well, Joel, a mistake, a misstep, uh, something that you learned from? There's been a couple for sure. I, there, there, there was uh, there was an idea we had um, with the launch of a of, of a new product that we thought was really creative and fun. We we launched a program um, with uh, our new sizzling fajitas called Sizzle Tonin, and we missed um, an element of the. Uh, content that was fun and engaging, but 
also potential misunderstanding of of sort of like along the depression lines, if you will. And Mm -hmm. the good learning was as soon as we saw some of that feedback occur, we killed it immediately. There was no ill intent. There was nothing discussed about the connection between the two because it was really a really thoughtful and and we thought fun campaign about how getting sizzling fajitas would make your day. What we missed and and you know was a good learning for us to double check, triple check um, some of the content creation when you're having fun is to make sure there's there's not some way in or some negative connotation that you may not see in the excitement of an idea. So uh, I learned at that moment, you know, we, I never like to bring a great idea forward at the last minute because you risk uh, the potential to, to damage yeah. the brand. And, you know, thankfully we recognized the mistake. We caught it. We apologized for it. It, it, it was not a, uh, did not become an issue because we realized that, that people were taking it in a context that we hadn't thought about and they were right. And um, moving very quickly to uh, end that idea was uh, a good learning experience for me. Great ideas can come at the last minute, but unless you're able to truly vet out an idea, you shouldn't rush something that has a potential, even if you don't think it does. Uh, So I, 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 I'm very cognizant of that. Yeah, me too. It's one thing I've learned over my career you know, it's okay to say, Hey, let's sleep on this or let's, let's, let's meet in three days after we've all had a chance to think it through and think about different scenarios. What could go really well? What could not go so well that, you know, three days doesn't make a difference. Your career path, you worked at Georgia Pacific for a couple of years, three years at Southwest airlines, 18 years at McDonald's. I'm assuming the McDonald's experience was the most defining for you. Is that a good assumption? I, I would say that was probably true up until recently because the Applebee's experience is the is is has been so gratifying. Um and, and I will I'll speak to this too. It it has a lot to do with maturing and into a role and understanding because as as CMO of McDonald's Canada, 1400 restaurants, almost similar, four billion dollars in revenue, similar to Applebee's. I was younger. Um, there are things you look back on and go, really proud of this. I wish I was a little bit more aware of that. But the 18 years at McDonald's was fantastic. I had incredible uh, bosses. I learned from operations bosses, from accounting bosses, from marketing bosses. The McDonald's, I don't think necessarily receives the credit it should in terms of the development of people who understand how to drive the business, how to work with franchisees and and how to, you know, elevate a brand that is so iconic and important that that everybody understands it and 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 bleeds the ketchup in the veins piece. And and I was very fortunate to get hired in 1998 to go to McDonald's in an entry level marketing role and work my way up. Uh, thanks to the many bosses that I had there that helped guide me and my career development. What's the most memorable piece of advice you got from a boss at McDonald's? Don't worry about what's next. Do a great, and this isn't new advice, but he spoke to me in a way that was really important. And at the time of my career, helped me understand that 
focus on your job at hand and do the best you can at that job, learn everything you can at that job, become an expert in that job, and good things will follow. And that was 100% true um, at McDonald's, but I think it's 100% true anywhere. You do your job, you become an expert at your at your at the position you're in. You'll get that opportunity to see if you can go to that next level. And um, at times, I would get, uh, especially in my youth, uh, get a little frustrated with perhaps thinking a promotion should come a year earlier than it did. And this boss pulled me aside and said, "Hey, just focus on what's at hand. You'll you're going to do great, and it'll all come through in the end." And he was 100 percent right. Joel, I want to switch to the creative brief, and I want to start with your Twitter bio. You have you have a few things in your Twitter Twitter bio, but you three three I want to talk. I want you to talk about all things family, Detroit, and cowboy wannabe. So let's <laughs> let's talk about that. Well, family comes first. Like uh, you know, I I try to give that guidance to all the folks on my team that are working hard, that are dealing with young kids, and I have always been thankful. Um, uh, in terms of our family dynamic that has allowed us to move around North America, uh, having lived in uh, a number of states in the U.S. and in Toronto for four years, making sure that the family stays first is, you know, that's where it begins and ends in my point of view. And uh, thankfully, um, they've supported me. My wife, Christy, has been a a huge asset in my success, um, not only in believing that I can accomplish just about anything I put my mind to it, but um, just being able to help um, raise raise our two girls. Um, Detroit is home. Um, I'm a very loyal person, and uh, you know, Detroit is where I was born and raised, and uh, everything Detroit is what I root for. Or my brother and I took my dad home for a Lions game on his 80th birthday this year, and we went to all the old haunts and restaurants and just everything about Detroit I love. And uh, Cowboy Wannabe, you know, you have to see my Twitter profile with um, with me on horseback uh, moving some uh, herd of cows when we went on a trip to uh, Wyoming. And uh, I, I, I'm, I fell in love with yeah, it. Yes, it was great. Well, my, my, my wife and kids are are into equestrian and horses. And uh, we went out West for a, for a week in Wyoming and it was magical. It was magical. So yeah, that was, uh, I, I can understand the beauty of it and uh, the connection to nature. So you have a book that you give to all your team members and you've reread it periodically, how to win friends and influence neighbors. Why is that book so powerful for you? Uh, that book was a um, monumental uh, impact on my growth and development on how you communicate, work with, connect with people and taught me many things that I just did not know. Um, the, the story is, uh, I was living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania before I got to work with Georgia Pacific. I, I gave my hand at, in broadcasting and radio at a job in Harrisburg. I met an 80 year old widower who forced me to read the book. And um, I befriended him and uh, Macy Capen was his name. And um, that book opened my eyes to really the importance of listening, the importance of patience with people, the importance of forgiving. And there are so many lessons um, in that book in terms of how you connect with people. And it had such an impact on me um, 
in all of the jobs I've had. Uh, and then it was critically important to how I connected with our franchisees at McDonald's when I started there, which are life lessons that I've carried to this, to, I think, a, a successful outcome, you know, even to Applebee's that um, I give that book to every every person that works for me and will continue to do so. And I continue to read it every three to five years um, because there's just great re- reminders and refreshers there of how to relate, how to connect, how to listen and uh, and how to treat people. What's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young boy growing up in Detroit? You know, it's um, uh, your, your parents have you know such an influence on you. And in Detroit, there's a brand called Sanders. And my mom loved Sanders cakes. They had they made this hot fudge. The hot fudge is in our refrigerator here in Cincinnati, by the way, Joel. That's awesome. And 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 so it was just seeing how that brand impacted my mom uh, made an impact on me. We grew up, you know, very middle class, slightly upper middle, maybe slightly upper middle class. And Sanders hot fudge Sundays would bring a smile to her face. I mean, I was five, six years old where I would see this brand would bring a smile to my mom when we would make a hot fudge sundae in the kitchen. It was something we would find great joy in. And, you know, it was uh, it was a small little moment. But, you know, it's one of those moments that brands die for. I have a piece of artwork I bought years ago of in a in a at an art market in Chicago. And it's a couple babies and they are fully tattooed with brand logos mm. and the artist thought behind it was we are so imprinted from a young age on the brands that our parents love and that we're surrounded with. And it helps define who we are as a person, which is maybe sort of can be a scary thought, but also if you turn it the other way around, could be a very positive thought. And that's the way I like to think about it. I do too, Jim. I think overall, I think at the end of the day, brands try to make that connection that's special and unique and, uh, and for good. I mean, obviously there are other, there, there are the aspirational brands, but you know, the Applebee's brand is a brand. Again, if we can bring, uh, that connection with a family similar to the one I was speaking about with Sanders, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a moment away from the troubles of the day piece that I was speaking to earlier. You have been on the boards of the Ronald McDonald House in Detroit and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of North Carolina. What compelled you to be part of those two organizations? The Ronald McDonald House of Detroit was an interesting one because Southwest Airlines was very well connected with Ronald McDonald House's uh, Herb Kelleher, the founder and CEO at the time, uh, who I had the chance to spend time with, um, was uh, supported a pilot whose child had gone into a Ronald McDonald House, I believe, in Philadelphia. And so as just in, within my work stream, uh, I had a chance to connect when I was back in Detroit working for Southwest Airlines with the Ronald McDonald House in Detroit, and they invited me to join their board. It actually led to uh, me joining McDonald's. The, the, the chairperson of the Franchise Marketing Committee was, a, was a, a member of the board. The regional vice president, who had a 55-year career and just recently retired from McDonald's, Charlie Strong, was a member of the board, and then a position opened up in Greenville, South Carolina, and, and that connection was critical for me to, to attain the position with McDonald's. Uh, at McDonald's, I, um, I had a, a boss and mentor, Bob Jackson, who was very committed to lymphoma, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and, uh, and uh, he had an amazing story in terms of that connection and that impact it, ha- it had on his life. 
and had the opportunity to learn more about that. At the same time, my my father-in-law was diagnosed uh, with lymphoma and to sit on the board that you saw that personal impact and understood uh, what their goal was and objective was to make things better for people that were dealing with those tragic diseases and difficult diseases uh, was just an opportunity to learn more, but also hopefully make an impact. You know, my marketing background, if I can help uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society or the Ronald McDonald House um, have some positive impact for them, that's the least I can give back. Who has been the most inspiring person in your life? It's uh, it's my wife, Christy. Um, she uh, has just helped me succeed in ways that um, I didn't imagine growing up. She has overcome uh, challenges with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and uh, never complains, doesn't stop her from doing a thing. And she's been an inspiration uh, for me. And um, I'm very grateful for all she's done to help support me to be successful, uh, both professionally and personally. That's a good place to stop. But I do have one more lighthearted question. Who's going to have the best Super Bowl ad this year? We are in the, the, the season of the Super Bowl. Uh, I love tracking the, the Super Bowl ads and, and seeing uh, the successful ones come forward. You know, it's been kind of quiet. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of the lists of folks that are out there. But I have not seen a lot. There hasn't been a lot of teasing yet, and we're a month away. Mm -hmm. And I'm just hoping that, that there's uh, a lot of good ones because they, they can be so entertaining, so uplifting. It's a great way to frame the importance of our industry in a way that can connect with people. And when it's done in a way that warms your heart or makes you think, uh, it's it's a great way to reach a lot of people with a great message. And I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some great work come out. I just recorded an episode of the podcast with the Rakuten CMO. Oh, yes. And they have a really, really fun and on-brand spot in the Super Bowl. Oh, this that's year. awesome. So uh, watch out for Rakuten. That's going to be a competitor, I think, for one of the top ones. All right, Joel, I'll let you go off to an Applebee's and have some wings or a beer or whatever you, <laughs> your favorite item is there. It's about, it's about dinner time as we're ending yes. this recording. You've made me hungry. Thank you for this. It's been a real gift. I've enjoyed it uh, immensely. So thank you. And thanks for, for your podcast each and every week. They're, they're outstanding. That was my conversation with Joel Yashinsky. Here are three takeaways for your business brand and life. The first one, I love this. Be super clear about what you value. Joel is really clear as a leader about what's important to him, both on the personal side and the professional side. He has a book he gives to everyone on his team. It's a book that he reads periodically because it is very clear in that book what he values, and it's one way for him to disseminate that to his team. Second takeaway, this is important for every brand leader. Don't try to be someone you are not. A key reason Applebee's has turned around as a business is they understand who they are and they are creative while they are consistent. That's the challenge for every brand, creativity and consistency. Third takeaway, turnarounds start with great teams and great people. I asked Joel to write a book for me as we were talking about the turnaround at Applebee's. He said immediately, the first chapter is about the people and the people in all functions, all disciplines, including external partners. Bonus takeaway, never forget about our family. 
Joel was very clear that family first is, is what he values with himself and with his team. And it's a beautiful lesson for all of us to think about, are we spending enough time with the people we love as we go into 2023? That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.